Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 16mm Film Crew Podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Neil. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm Film Crew Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 16mm Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16mm Crew. So this week we watched Swan Song. Starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Aquafina, and Glenn Close. Here is your synopsis. When a loving husband and father is diagnosed with a terminal illness, he's presented with a controversial alternative solution to shield his family from his loss. Replace himself with a carbon copy clone. This movie is directed by Benjamin Clearly, and it's on Apple TV. So, Dale, what did you think, what did you think about this movie? Um, yeah, no, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, um, how's the best way to describe it? Basically, it brings the whole, you remember, if everybody watched, remember watching WandaVision, the whole ship of Theseus thing, or who's the real vision, you know, and stuff like that, the memories or the experience. It kind of brings that, that kind of, kind of, um, battle of what it means to be human more to a more emotional, more realistic level, you know? It's, it's not a, it's not a whole philosophical philosoph- philosophical debate. Sometimes. We're bots. Yeah, we're it's, bots yeah it's, it's not one of those, you know, with robots talking. It's more human and emotional, and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful um, movie. Yeah, I thought this was really... It reminded me a lot of, like, an episode of Black Mirror. Like, not the exact premise, but like a situation that would be presented in Black Mirror. Mm. And it also reminded me of this Paul Rudd show, Living With Yourself. It came out a while ago, but basically it's kind of the same thing of where like this man has a clone of himself and that clone is like the better version of him and is like able to live the life that he wishes he was able to live a little bit. So that's what it it reminded me of a lot. But I thought this movie was, I thought it was nice. I thought it was like really beautiful in terms of like how it was shot. I thought that it was like a very like quiet film. It was very um, slow paced. It was like a slow burner. But I also think that Marshall did a great job in the role and playing two versions of himself. That was that's always a challenge. So that I thought that was really good. Um, but I don't know. I felt like there was like something missing from it. I'm not really sure what that something is, but it just felt like, you know, I think it was probably the length. I think it was probably too long for a story like that. Like that story, I, again, because maybe I shouldn't be comparing it to Black Mirror, but like in a, in a Black Mirror episode that would be wrapped up in like 50 minutes, 55, or like an hour. And it was almost two hours. So it just felt like a lot of space where we're just like looking at trees and like, looking at water and looking at buildings and like after a while it's just I don't know I was kind of bored but like I like the premise of it like I like what it was trying to say it was just like it was just a little elongated for my taste the music was fire whoever did the soundtrack fire but it's just like I mean I, I like those scenes of the location actually works perfect i think because it kind of more so describes anybody's mindset in that situation that whole sense of isolation 
and it's almost like mm-hmm. and it's and it's this the scenes are like almost a metaphor for like depression isolation almost because yes he's doing this for his family but now he's grappled with you know the thoughts of his existence you know existentialism all that those kind of things so and then he's also questioning on to a degree if he's the actual one or he's a he's a clone as well you know so like i think the scene kind of the whole sense of isolation like being by a lake or being by the being in the forest and it's just him walking through in those scenes it really it really because when you're in a, alone in your head that's literally what it feels like so i do i do i do think the choosing those scenes and like how sterile the lab is is white with like these wood accents it looks really modern but it's really sterile which once again sells that you know almost void type thing you know which goes on in your head in these situations so i i thought the the settings played perfectly involved played perfectly immaculately with the theme of what the movie was talking about and his experience mm. yeah i thought it was interesting to see how like that their organization i'm not sure if they named it or if they even talked about like what the name of it was but um how it works where like you get a double but also like you get to go back home and say goodbye to your people before your new self takes over and then their memories get deleted but even after you have a clone they still have like your memories and they still have like knowledge of what's going on mm-hmm. so i thought that was really interesting because it's it presented a story uh, or it presented an idea of like these two different entities kind of going back and forth. You can see like the better version of yourself right there and they can acknowledge that they are also like better version while you're kind of like what needs to be left behind. Yeah. And that interaction that they had at like towards the end, um, I guess Cameron and Jack, the two, the two characters, um, that was really interesting, like, because I got a lot more insight from that scene than I think I was getting from most of the scenes before, where he was telling, where he was explaining really, like, what was going on in his head, like, how he wasn't able to really communicate with his wife, and that he was shutting down and shutting her out, and that he couldn't, like, step up and, like, actually be involved and present in the family because of the tragedies that, tragedies that had happened. So, I thought that was really good. That was probably my favorite scene. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a sad movie, but it also deals with it's not just him dealing with stuff. It's the movie's also about the disillusion of a relationship for the most part, because even though they're both married together, they're still in love. But it's those those little things of intimacy aren't there because they've honestly both shut each other off. Um, like like talking about Black Mirror, we kind of also kind of talk about um the episode with um uh cole briar and um anthony mackie um striking mm-hmm. vipers because their relationship deals with the sort of thing where she reaches a point where he's not emotionally open like those little things in the relationship are there and when those like you could feel like on the outward looking in though you, you focus on the big things that will really matter in the relationship are those little things and between both the Omis, naomi harris's character poppy and marshall Ali's character they weren't doing those little things because she shut herself off once her brother died. And because of that, he was like, if you're going to shut me off, I'm going to shut you off. So it was two people like, and he even says it himself, like, well, says it himself to himself, like, you know, <laughs> talking about his illness and his, his seizures and stuff, 
you know, after the first one, had he been open and almost and communicated to Poppy, it probably wouldn't have evolved to the point where it's now a life threatening thing because he was like, yo, if she if we told her, she would have told us to the doctor the same day. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this movie this movie also talks about those are those are the realities and causes when two people who who supposedly love each other don't communicate to each other at all. So Yeah. That was really good. I, I like that they fleshed out the other characters. Well, especially Poppy. I'm glad that they like fleshed out her storyline so we can get more like details of like what she has been going through in the marriage as well as what he was going through. Okay. Um I loved his relationship with the son. That was my favorite part. Him and the son had a great chemistry. Um, and that was a really good child actor, too. I was like, yes, I love, we love seeing present fathers. It's so, it's so enriching. But, um, yeah, I thought that, well, one thing I'm very grateful for is that Aquafina wasn't really in this movie that much. And that she, was wonderful. She who must not be named. That's, that's my new name. <laughs> I was like, yes, be in here for five minutes, sis, and just leave. Like, yeah. that was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that Glenn Close is in this movie. I thought that, I was like, oh, Glenn Close, you're here. What's up, girl? Like, I wasn't expecting to see her here, but I actually liked her as, like, a calming, kind of reassuring presence as things are, like, going so volatile in terms of, like, now there is two of you, and you have to, like, adjust to that. While also being like the head of this organization, trying to keep things together, it was, yeah, I liked her performance in that too. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, it's it's a uh, this story is a real, I want to say heavy, and it breaks all these kind of issues like existentialism. People question their existence in really simple terms, and it's not even the it's not even um. Marshall Lee's character dealing with it. It's his clone as well. Because now his clone's like, you can't do this to me. I was created to go have a life, your life. And now you're taking it away from me. Like, well, now what is my purpose? Like, what is my existence, you know? So you had two two extremes of going back and forth about it. Um, and that's what I love about, like, science fiction sometimes. Like, a lot of science fiction deals with this a lot. Like if you clone your body, like who is he was an actual person, and it always becomes a, a moral philosophical battle between, you know, two not two 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 people but two strangers thought like what what makes a human human is it experiences or the actual is it the actual soul, you know, so and then you also have like Mahershali's clone actually going into him like telling him all his negative things that he doesn't want to hear about like so and yeah. And I do love the linchpin for this movie for him to finally, like, because he was sick to get the chance, is him having a a bad dream about him, like, hitting his son. You know, I, I do, I do, I do love that because you can see throughout the movie and even their interactions, like, he really cares about his son. And it's, it's good because a lot of times in cinema, we don't get good portrayals of black fathers. Right, so right. I did love the fact that this his final you know, he got to say his piece with his wife, but the one thing that kind of pushed him to, you know, escape the facility was, you know, he wanted to like have that father son talk with his son. So I I do love that because yeah, black black fathers aren't really ever given a good showing in Hollywood at all. So yeah. Yeah. That was like the best part of this movie i think i feel 
because I feel like this is how you do like modern cinema that deals with and it's not even black stories but just for portraying black people on screen like I feel like people it's always been this kind of struggle of like if you're having like black people black families on screen it has to be like a historical drama it has to be like something that is where the race is explicit in the storytelling like it has to be like front and center Mm -hmm. and I feel like this is one of those stories along with like a lot of what Jordan Peele does and Barry Jenkins does where it's just a story about people who happen to be black and that's what I feel that's the direction I feel like we need to be going in and it seems like we kind of are so that was really exciting to see that and to see like a family unit of people who actually love each other and who actually like take care of each other that was really important so I think for this movie, for nothing else, it was important on that front. Mm. Um, We had great black music, Frank Ocean. I don't know who else was singing, but they were doing their little doo doo doc, and I was like, girl, that's great. (laughs) So I just love that. I just love seeing those depictions and those representations on screen. That's really great. It's it's not a thing of, like, yes, we do want, you know, more black stories, but Mm -hmm. it's also, like, I think entertainment. And it's like whether it's cinema, whether it's TV, the stories have to be, you know, should be universal. Like the person's skin really shouldn't be the override, overall focus. It shouldn't matter in the experience. Like I should be able to close my eyes, like, and read a script, like reading this script. And I I don't necessarily have to say, oh, nothing in the script makes me think this person's white. Nothing is, it is black. You know, there are a lot, there are a lot of movies done like that, but Hollywood still tends to few cast only white characters and when you watch these movies their race has nothing to do with the story it's not, a, it's not an underlying motivation or plot so hopefully you're right you know as we say we're always gonna sing the praises of waves well, waves is one of those movies that executes this principle perfectly hopefully we will continue to see that trend move further and further in the industry as especially as we get more black creatives you know in the industry right so right um yeah, I don't have like much else to say about this movie. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's honestly a perfect movie, you know. Um, um, I mean, I do wish you know. I understand the story is kind of focused on um, uh, Jack or Charlie's character. Um, I do wish you know Naomi Harris could have got more, more of a presence on screen a little bit more. Especially considering she spent like the last couple years mostly being Money Penny and James Bond, not doing much. And she's a really talented actress and she's really beautiful. So I wish, you know, she got more chance to show her for um, acting chops. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you rating it? Um, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. Because, um, like I said, for all those reasons, it's, it's a story that the race isn't a isn't linchpin, but anybody can fit into that role. Um, the shot is like I love those sweeping landscape shots. Like that's that's one of my things. You you get me with a nice robust landscape in those kind of settings. Like you got me there. Um, Ali did a wonderful, wonderful job. Even she who must not be named with the limited scenes she was in did a wonderful job. Um, story like I love those. I love st- like philosophical kind of stuff, like quandaries. Um, but yeah, so ten out of ten. It's a perfect movie like the music match the, the settings like frank ocean like and his melodies and that you know those tone like everything fit perfectly like this is a perfectly well put in the movie yeah 
So. Um, yeah. I'm going to give it like 7.5 out of 10. It wasn't like the, my favorite thing I've seen. I think that this would have been a beautiful and amazing Black Mirror episode, <laughs> but it's a movie. So yeah. take with that what you will. But um, I did find, I love science fiction that asks really deep questions. That's my favorite genre to watch, like I've said before. Um, because of this reason, particularly, it really focuses on the human condition. And I feel like this is a great example of that. <laughs> um, and obviously, Marshall Ali is fantastic and wonderful and everything that he does. So it was um, great to see him there. Great to see like that black depiction of like a strong family unit. And um, again, it looked amazing. The shots were amazing. Um, the music was amazing. So this movie was really good. It was just... I feel like it would have made a better episode of television than a movie, but that's just my personal, you know, mm -hmm. taste. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, okay. if anybody's interested, you can always read the script for the movie. No, it's always it's 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 public only. If you go to the Wikipedia page, it's tagged right there um, on Deadline's website. It's it's I always like being able to find like these scripts for these movies so I can see, you know, like because I'm a like I'm a visual person. So if I read something up, you know, thoughts in your head, I always seen I, I would I like seeing the interpretation, how the director, you know, reads something and how it varies from how we interpret it like that creative process. So if you want to read the script, um it's on Deadline's website. Um so yeah. Um but moving on to that Xbox office time and um, we're going to continue with uh, I don't know I don't know how what to call this is it the the, the Tom Holland experience I don't know um, because the reign of Tom the reign of, of Tom you got him as a yeah. day of taking pictures and like matching couple hockey jerseys at a you know <laughs> at a Rangers game you know you got him dumbing the box office you know with um, Uncharted taking the top spot this weekend with over um $51 million over this President's Day weekend. Um, of course, you got Spider-Man No Way Home still, you know, steamrolling along. You know, potentially he also might show in um, um, Multiverse of Madness, you know, with Doctor Strange and all the all those. So it's, it's like he's like, I guess this spring is his, you know, this winter, this winter season is his, you know, thing. You know, usually it was this spot for like guys like Tom Cruise and Leo, but you know, two back-to-back success music, especially considering that everybody was kind of iffy with Uncharted, if you're familiar with the game and you're a fan of the franchise, how everybody was concerned with Mark Wahlberg um, playing the title character. Everybody kind of fan casts universally, like Nathan Fillion in that role. Um, but, yeah, so it's it good to see that. Um, of course, the 51, the 51 million uh, goes... Uh, past the, the uh, biggest the best debut of Scream's 30 million um with the movie also stars Mark Wahlberg um second place surprisingly is um Chanting James Dog it's kind of like a comedy drama uh, with a man who's traveling across the country with his military canine for a funeral of the dog's former handler um in some amazing way Spider-Man No Way Home is still taking it third um, with um, just under seven million, seven point seven million between Friday and uh, Friday and Monday, and it's probably going to buy time 
this episode comes out for you guys, hopefully it would have reached 8.8 million. So it's still still rolling for Spider-Man and Kenneth Brock. Um came still is still there. Um for the totals for the week, um, of course, uh Kingsman is now at from six to ten for the week. And it's also available digitally on um on I think Hulu as well, which is also kind of weird. Because yeah. like the um the time scheme for movies to either get DVD releases and digital releases was really f- was much wider before. But this is the first time where a movie is still actually playing in theaters where it gets a, a late, like this is what is ninth week in office in box office and it gets a, a digital release. It's it's really weird. So it's still stuff Hollywood's trying to figure out. Um, Licorice Peach is currently in ninth place. Sing drops from fifth to eighth. Moonfall um, drops from third last week to seventh this week. Of course, Scream goes from um, fourth to six. Black Lighted debut. Dave Lewis's first week out debuted at five. Um, it's a story of a, a government operative who's tr- uh, trying to come to terms with his past. Kind of like a born identity type of movie. It's from uh, Barclays Entertainment. Hasn't really been in that many theaters, about 3,000 theaters, but it did debut at number five. Um, a Spider No Way Home, of course, uh, was last week, is at two. Now, Four Jackass is at three. Marry Me um, debuts at two. Um, if you don't know, Marry Me is the um, the rom com between um, J Lo and Owen oh, Wilson. <laughs> shake your head and you're surprised that it took over the, the box office for the weekend, for the week. I don't, I don't know how either. But hey, it did. Um, people love their J Lo rom coms for some reason. So it's you know number two spot for this week. Um, of course, Kenneth Bra's uh, Death on the Dial debuted at number one uh, for the last week as well. Um, internationally, though, um, like I said, across the board, um, Uncharted in right now reporting in f- Japan, France, UK, Australia, Germany, Italy, South Korea, Russia, Spain, Mexico, Brazil, Taiwan. It's uncharted. <laughs> it's, it's uncharted. Um, the only other country that does not have so far reported uncharted, you know, as the biggest weekend debut is Norway with Sing Two. So it's like I said, it's Tom Holland's world. We're just living in it. Um, We're just living in it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's it for me on the box office side of things. Okay, um, on to other news. The Oscars will require tests for all and vaccines for most. Vaccine mandates and PCR tests for the event set for March 27th in Los Angeles. After much internal discussion, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has come to an agreement on coronavirus safety measures for attendees of the 94th Oscars. Um, the audience of 2,500 invited guests, including all nominees, will be required to show proof of vaccination, of vaccination against the coronavirus in at least two negative PCR tests. Mm. So, I mean, California, amongst like other states, have been altering their um, COVID mandate stuff for a while now. So... It's okay. I guess it makes sense that, you know, that would, that things would be relaxing. I know last year people had to, like, show negative tests. They had to quarantine before they can go to the Oscars. So it was, like, a lot. So this year, because not only vaccines are out, but boosters are out, I guess they're kind of, like, relaxing a bit. Um, 
but everyone has to be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, the vaccine part, I don't know. I don't even know if they're going to be wearing masks inside. I'm not sure. Um, well, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, they're required. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it would vary. It said it varies. They said, I think the, the story said, yeah. like, um, it varies. Nominees are, I guess, sitting in, like, the orchestra area and a couple rows behind that aren't required to wear a mask. Um, but everybody in, like, all the other areas and the mezzanine section are required. Um, so I guess, and they're doing it at the, the Adobe Theater. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess they're trying to go that traditional Oscar sense of we're going to do it live in the theater right. before they've been kind of smaller groups, groups, groups in different locations, um, telecasting it. So, well, no, no, I kind of do like, it's weird. I wish they could do a mix of it. Cause I do like the small intimate feel of like the whole like cat, like the cast and crew, because usually a lot of the crew people don't get to go to the Oscars at all. Like, mm. so at least before was everybody who worked on the film got to be together in one area celebrating together whenever somebody won. And and it was more intimate and more, I don't know, it felt more warm instead of being on a, a giant stage where it was, less, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It felt like the focus was less on the actors and more on the production of the program in the theater. Right, So right, yeah. right. I actually did like the setup last year. That was really cute. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, and moving on from that, um, of course, everybody's favorite, you know, Karen, um, Evangeline Lily. Um, okay, to preface this, she is Canadian, but she decided to defend, um, the Canadian, um, quote unquote, protesters with their, um, convoy protest. Um, she, um, she's, she went on uh, uh, her rant on her own. Um, I wouldn't say a rant. She went out, she posted a video on her Instagram live defending the Canadian truckers from Justin Perot and corporate media and outlets for spreading them as racist and misogynistic. Even though pictures from their protests, they do have them, you know, carrying, you know, Confederate flags and swastikas. So I, I don't know. I see a swastika. I don't think, you know, I'm I go racist because, you know, if it walks like a duck, quack like a duck, it must be a duck. So she was on news urging, you know, Justin Tarot, you know, to speak to the group's fantate of uh protesting vaccine mandates and pandemic restrictions in the country. Um she's like, Oh, I beg you, Prime Minister, meet with medical experts and top scientists and doctors and okay all those people are for the vaccine and mass mandates and they want stricter stuff but then she kind of speaks in their parents grandparents and intelligent loving citizens so like the doctors and scientists aren't those people as well so i don't know she's kind of making an illogical emotional plea by assuming that doctors and scientists don't agree with the mass mandates it's weird um when i watched a video that song from disney's holes you got to dig them holes. Like, she keeps digging her holes, like, with something, you know. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. Disney will, if you do act up, they will kind of remove you. They removed, um, uh, I forgot her name. Uh, the chick from, um, Carla something. It don't matter. She was in this first. Oh, from the Mandalorian. She removed her from the Mandalorian for her kind of stuff because it was rocking the boat. You know, look at, mm-hmm. look at Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt knows 
not to rock the boat that much anymore. He can have he has his views, but he doesn't, you know, go crazy with them. Yeah, he don't want to get dropped off either. The other day you had Latisha Wright from Black Panther going crazy and about COVID and getting vaccines and that that production for that has stopped multiple times. So I don't know. Eventually, you're not a major part in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can you can be replaced with another brunette. You know, it's not you know not not hard. So, but hey, that's just my take on it. I mean. Mm, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, yeah, I'm wondering what they're going to do about this because she keeps talking. So. <laughs> he just keeps talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She just keeps talking. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Okay, Dale, what did you watch this week? Um, of course, I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, the whole Black cultural experience of, you know, watching, you know, Euphoria. And then getting a palate cleanser of Abbott, you know, elementary, you know, like everybody else. <laughs> um, I'm loving, I, I, I've kind of been catching up on Abbott, but I love Quinta, her writing. You know, it's, if you're a fan of like The Office, Parks and Rec, you'll love this. Set in the school, dealing with the experiences of teachers. And even though it's a, con- a, com- a comedy, these are real experiences teachers deal with working in underserved areas and communities where this you know, you have school boards who don't really care about these students that you to try their best. So even though it's a bit of a, con- a, a comedy, the experiences that, you know, these te- educators deal with on a regular basis are really well. And it's, and it's a nice, it's an easier, more digestible way for people to understand. But it's still, the com- it's written really well, comedy. I mean, um, what's that? What's, what's his name from Everybody Hates Chris? He's not Chris anymore. Um, but yeah, he like compare like like just like Jim, he has like the best cutaway looks into a camera at all, like of all time. Like the expression she'll make, like the cast is really wonderful put together. Like Cheryl Lee Ralph is like a God fearing Christian woman. And if you've ever been to a church and you watch how she acts like, yep. I know somebody who actually looks like that like from top to bottom. The show is just <laughs> so just wonderful. So Oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I watched um, two things on Netflix this week. I watched The Tinder Swindler because they kept like recommending it to me, so <laughs> I gave it and I watched it. Um, it's basically about this man who cons some white women out of their money. I'm all for conning like, white women. So like live a lavish lifestyle. Um, my main issue with this documentary actually is that he doesn't, I don't think he has, nothing really happened to him. Like, he got arrested, but then he got out, and he just went back to conning people. So I was like, okay, so I watched this whole hour and change documentary for literally nothing to happen. Mm. That made me mad. But, I mean, I don't know. I, a part of me, like, feels like I have to feel empathy for these ladies because they're just trying to, like, look for love. They're trying to help out friends and whatever. But me, I'm just like, no, you're not going to mess with my money. Like, I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to give you thousands of dollars. Are you kidding me? Never. That would never happen. Like, there's no world in, in which I would meet someone online and then that would ensue. Like, there's just no world where that would happen. So I, it was hard to relate to these ladies a little bit because I was just like, 
you have to you, you can't you can't go through life this naive like come on you're grown like this is ridiculous but anyways it was all right it wasn't that great it, it wasn't the greatest documentary i've, I've seen it, it's it's, it's funny because i think netflix has a movie out about the kind of the same thing but it's not with dealing with um you know tinder and kind of thing like the whole um inventing anna it's about a lady who, oh, who's yeah, a con yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of funny that they, they had to have two stories of con artists <laughs> who kind of did the same thing um going on at the same time so yeah that's hilarious yeah. Uh, i also watched um kanye's genius mm -hmm. they're so annoying for spelling it that way they're so annoying like they're just so annoying for that um and it's a docu-series, so I'm going to continue to watch it because mm -hmm. I was interested. Like, all the stuff with Kanye has been, in the recent weeks, has been a lot. Like, that's been its own television <laughs> show. Like, if you were keeping up with that, like, that was reality TV right there. And it was entertaining. Like, it was. It was. Um, I have, again, I've mentioned I've had a, I have a very complicated relationship with Kanye West. This starts off with him, like, right before he blows up. So it's, like, his journey to, like, about to blow up, like, before that first album, I think. Was the first album College Dropout? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, like, in the lead-up to that, right? And I'm actually really enjoying it because it's the old Kanye. Like, once we get to the point where he, like, where his mom dies and something like switches off in his brain, it's gonna be difficult to watch. But for right now, it's actually really good because this this version of Kanye, where his mom is still there, there was a lot of his mother, of Donda, in, in this first episode, which I loved. I loved seeing their relationship, how supportive she was of him, how he really had drive. He had self-awareness. Like, I know we forgot that, he, that that was something that he possessed at one point, but he did possess it, so. It was good seeing that I actually didn't really know how Kanye came up. Like I really did. I started listening to his music when I was really young, but by then he was already famous. So I didn't actually know like what his journey was. So it's actually been interesting to see his journey so far. I really like what he's about. At this point in the docuseries, it's going to get wild in a minute, but it, it is good. So if you want to watch it, you can. Yeah. Oh, the, the one thing I am, um, I do love about it is the fact that it's um it's as much as people give Kanye and I'm one of them like I do miss old Kanye he does support a people who he's worked with for a long time even though he yeah. goes to a certain point he goes crazy and cuts them off like Kid Cudi right now but the directors for the show the, the docuseries were the ones who directed his Through the Wire video they've directed a lot of his videos yeah, uh, so and they're like he puts his city on the map, which is like he he like well they're those guys are from Chicago, so that that is one thing I gotta do, mm -hmm. give Kanye credit for all the the idiosyncrasies and you know, him not really taking care of his mental health the way he should. He does, you know, put his he gives opportunities and chances to his city. So Yeah. Like the guy who filming everything is for the he's known for like years and years yeah. and years from Chicago. So that was like it was yeah. cool. It was cool to see that. I mean and you gotta one thing I do gotta give Kanye credit though is the ability to bet on yourself. To decide to record all this footage of yourself from like 20, 20 years before you like blew up or whatever <laughs> and just betting on yourself like yo I'm be big. 
and you know they go on to watch this so like I can't knock it like Kanye's got met like a lot of drive and a lot of passion like he He's like, I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it no matter what the naysayers. And I might be kind of as a naysayer for some things, but he doesn't let anybody stop him. So Yeah. Yeah. I like and that's I like seeing that. I like seeing the hunger that he had early on. Like it was really that's really inspiring to me. I'm nervous about the follow the follow, the follow-up episodes, but for right now, like I'm really enjoying it. So mm-hmm. that is that. And that is our show for today. We hope that you're all taking care of yourselves. You're having a good week. Make sure to check out all of our social media. Follow us on Letterboxd. Search us up. We're on there. Um, support us if you can. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Au revoir.